beginning transmission 76. Powers, the killed retro girl, file under, as seen on TV. The following program is brought to you in living color. この番組は、ポッドキャストの今週のエピソードへようこそ。さんたん。さん。Each Welcome to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. I'm not going to say what episode number it is because I've been editing the last two and I was wrong, and so I had to cut it out. So I'm just going to stop saying what episode number we're on because it's just easier that way. It's the most uh, important this, episode you've ever listened to. I know. This is this is the important episode. Uh, no, so this week we are doing uh, the last of our As Seen on TV books. Uh, or this is Powers, which was a TV show, short-lived, unfortunately, on the PlayStation Network, um, which you can get on Amazon, which I haven't checked out yet, but I kind of wanted to before this, just haven't gotten around to it. But we have our full accoutrement. Getting swifty with it in Utah, we have Adam. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Adam from Big Shiny Robot, uh, film critic and reviews editor over there. Also co-host of the Bored as Hell podcast with Andy Wilson. Hi, Andy. Hi, Andy. And we actually get it to be not on one, but two panels together at Comic-Con. They just added one I for know. me, so... Uh, that'll be kind of fun the first time we've done that. But yeah, I'm just up here in Utah and dealing with stupid bullshit issues like identity theft. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Yep, super tons of fun. Also having so much fun, it's not even funny. In the great state of Maryland, we have Q. Hi, it's Q. Um, so uh, we just cast the Christmas schooner. Um, <laughs> but by the time this airs, we'll already be... Um, uh, done with our first month of, of rehearsals, which is actually kind of crazy. So that's going on. But also, by the time this airs, we will also have cast Boeing Boeing, which I'm also already knee-deep in, which is kind of awesome. And uh, then right after that is Calendar Girls. Uh, we also just announced our slate for the next season, and there's like two shows that I wouldn't mind doing, but I'm also hoping to maybe take a year off from theater, so we'll see. Um, Also, by the time this airs, it'll be one month away from the Demanda Martini's House of Horrors and Show Tunes, uh, October 29th at the New Deal Cafe, and um, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that's about it. And back in Utah, we have the lovely Todd. Thank you for calling me lovely. You're welcome. Uh, yes, hi, this is Todd. You can find me here in Salt Lake. Um, you can also find me and Adam uh, yes. at Lucky 13s on occasion defending <laughs> our Pub Quiz Trivia Championship. Did you guys Team My last Little week? Buttercup represent. That's right, we won last week. The team name was My Little Buttercup. 
And then our cheer was, has the sweetest smile. Has the Um, sweetest smile. And, you know, I would say we would have creamed everyone, and we were on our way to do so until there was one round about music that we just absolutely fell apart on. So we went from a 17-point lead to winning by just one. But, yeah, that's where you find me. So I'm drinking at Lucky 13's, having a good time there, working a bunch, and you can find me here on this podcast and looking forward to Comic-Con, where I can sit in the front row and throw boogers at the panelists. It's going to be a great time. Don't threaten me with a good time. When this episode comes out, it would have been last weekend would have been Comic-Con. So this is last, right after Comic-Con. Over, right so. after. So all the yeah. boogers have been flipped. Booger flinging has commenced, and I have flown back to California at this point in time because I just booked my flights a couple days ago. So. Wow. Uh, okay. Yep. And hey, and I'm Brian. I'm a sound designer in Southern California, currently working on a video game called Killing Comma, My Friend. And uh, I will have also been a panelist on a few things at Comic-Con. But uh, hopefully we all had a great time. And uh, yeah, hopefully I got to see some of you. I, As of recording of this, I just ordered some of our swag. So hopefully that will, I mean, it should arrive in plenty of time. And then I'll send some out to everybody else as well. So, you know, if you want some free shit, come find us. Uh, so, getting into this week, this week is Powers. I mean, this has been on the top of our list of potential TV reads for a while. Um, I know it was one of the first comics I read when I got into comics. I think, Todd, you've been reading it for a while as well. Yeah, you had referred it to me, and I've got... I have all of the trades. So, there's like 14 of them now. So, yes. Yeah, I have all of the trades of the original run, and then they went switched over at the end of it. They move up to the FBI, and I haven't continued on with it, but we can discuss that later. Uh, mm-hmm. Adam or Q, have you guys read this before? No. 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 It's, 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 again, one that's been on my list, but it's one that I've never actually read until today, actually. So yeah, It's another one of those ones that I'd always heard of on the yeah. internet on in comic book circles, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I did see a couple of episodes on PS4 because it pre- premiered there first. So. And you actually watched some of the show? Yeah. Okay, cool. So you have to tell us how those were. But yeah, I mean, the, the premise for this, super, super basic, easy. Uh, it's a homicide department that deals with the deaths of superheroes. And so a superhero, a very popular superhero named Retro Girl has died. And this is the two police detectives, Detective Walker and Detective Pilgrim, uh, who are looking to find out who killed Retro Girl. Hence the title, Who Killed Retro Girl. So uh, this is the point in time where we are going to jump into our uh, yays or nays or is it worth your dear hard-earned money to read this book. book for Pedro. So I've been asked by the judge to be the form. Book for Pedro. And I want y'all to know that we's gonna run a fair jury and a clean jury. It's time for a vote. Because we love you. And we don't want to waste your money. We will now vote on whether this week's book is fit for human consumption by you. Our dear listener. Along with each vote. Our panel will also provide one piece of evidence to support their vote. Vote for Pedro. Do you expect me to talk? Vote for Pedro. Now, who is the bond? I expect you to die. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. Uh, we will start with Q, yay or nay? Sure. Todd, what, yay or nay? Yay. Adam, yay or nay? Yay. I'm also going to be with Q on a shore, and that, which is weird because I have read all of these, and having reread it, I'm like, you could get into this and go down the rabbit hole with it, or you could not. It's sort of up to you, but we can discuss that a little bit later. Well, does anybody else have anything they want to discuss before we go into our drinking games? No. no? I think we're all wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, they, 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 this is another one of those, you know, comics we, we've had in the past where it's very straightforward. There isn't a lot yeah. of, like, there's a lot going on, but there's not, like, a lot of depth as far as, like, oh, this actually means this, or this is an allegory about that. So it's yeah. 
Alex Jackson thought it was a I mean, bad it's, thing. It's, it's the beginning of a series. To, to me, uh, yeah. uh, well, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's, 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 it's the first book in a series. It's like a TV yeah. pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, then we will jump into drinking games. And now for sports. Listen up, sports fans. Prepare yourself and your liver for this week's drinking game. Remember, it's only a game, and a dumb one at that. So don't take it too seriously. And above all else, please drink responsibly. Adam, I know you're struggling. Did you ever actually come up with one? Yeah, I did. Um, okay. And I, I kind of had to talk to Brian about this, so I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. So yeah. I decided that uh, I'm going to be completely evil and <laughs> call it the name drop rule. Uh, whenever they introduce a new villain or hero by name, you have to take a drink. So there's okay. two, there's four pages in this book that's going to kill you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you read, the, if you use that rule for the entire run of the book, it'll do that to you as well because they yeah. do that a lot. You will die. Uh, you will die. Uh, uh, Todd, sorry. Uh, do you have a drinking game rule? Yes, it's called, oh look, Chen Pubes is in here. And there is a character <laughs> in the book that he is also one of the policemen of the force. That's just this kind of this annoying pain in the ass, and someone referred to him as Chen Pubes. So every time you come across Mr. Chen Pubes, take a drink. Um, I'm going to go with Moment of Zen, which is when there's a rare occurrence of a page with no dialogue on it whatsoever, take a drink. Because this is a Brian Michael Bendis book, and there is lots of long runs of bubbles. Hugh, you have a drinking game rule. Yeah, so mine mine comes with a spoiler warning, so I'm not going to give the full thing away. But mine is called Not So Secret Identity. Anytime someone is outed as a superhero without them actually stating it first. Well, uh, cool. that's a better way of, of stating that. I had written down my own version when we talked about that before, and your way of saying it's a less obvious way of saying it. <laughs> but I yeah, it, the Not So Secret Identity. Well, then, I mean, I think we've kind of given you a little bit of a preview as to what it's going to be. We've given you a drinking game. We've been uh, relatively efficient. Um, I mean, I think this is about time to give you guys a chance to read it at home um, unless anybody else has something they really want to give us for a warning. Looking at this and whatnot, some people ask what it's about, and I'm like, think Law and Order with Powers Division instead of SVU. It's, oh, look, Powers are involved. Yeah, I also use that same description for uh, Gotham Central, but I think Gotham Central falls into more of the Law and Order thing. Mm-hmm. I just think of it as more like it's a homicide department that takes care of crimes when superheroes die. You know, I mean, like, right. like, but yeah, you're right. It is sort of like it's a law and order kind of thing. It just never gets to the actual trial portion of things. Right. Um, but it's it's beat cops or and detectives dealing with you know superhero well, superpowered least, crime. At least it's not law and order fun rapey time. Yeah. Well, there's true. That's true too. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that'd be a fun comic book to read. Although they did make a comic book of uh, oh, what's a show Jess loves? Oh, Blacklist, which I have an issue of for various reasons we won't get into. Well, so then I guess uh, we'll we'll take our little break. And then um, when you are done reading, you can press play again and we will be here. Or if you just kind of want to hear what we have to say and we'll spoil the shit out of it, you can do that. But we're warning you now, we're going to spoil the living shit out of it. So uh, we will see you on the flip side. If you have yet to read this week's book and would like to read it now, press pause. Go ahead. We'll wait. Uh, So welcome back. So it's going to be pretty straightforward. Do we want to see if we can set a new record, Q? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that, but... Well, okay, okay, so here it is, the land speed record of reviewing a comic book. We have the lightning round. Lightning round begins now. 
Alright, so the uh, story opens with Detective Walker coming into a hostage situation, coming to find that this guy has heard word that Detective Walker is soft on powers, uh, aka people with superpowers, and he's like, uh, that's bullshit. So the little girl who was being held hostage, they don't know what happened to her mom, they think that she's probably dead, and so there's nowhere for this girl to go, so they're like, okay, you're perp. Your, your little girl, so he has to take her back to his office. Uh, he has then assigned his new partner, who is uh, Detective Pilgrim. They're then sent off to a call, and it is Retro Girl, who is dead. So they're in talking with the, the guy in the morgue, uh, and coinciding is the ongoing news uh, mm -hmm. coverage of Retro Girl's death, which is ongoing in 24 hours. So, uh, you know, they start going through who, you know, what could have happened, and Chin Pubes gets involved, and they're like, <laughs> uh, fuck you, Chin Pubes. So then, uh, what's her name? Zora? Is that what her name is? So, so yeah. Zora, one of the other superheroes, comes in, and Pilgrim's all like, oh, hey, you know her? He's like, yeah, yeah, I work with these people. Like, whatever. So she kind of comes in and is like, hey, you should check out these folks. So as, as they start investigating, they go in, and they're like, oh, yeah, Chin Pubes already, uh, came into talk to that guy and they're like fuck chin pubes so there's this guy who has a restraining order against all of the heroes because he is obviously a villain and he's a dick chin pubes gets his hand slapped by the boss being like uh stay out of it and then bad guy obviously leaves uh there's all kinds of reporters and people trying to get involved so then they go to interview this this iron man character i can't remember what his name is i don't think it really matters and uh he's kind of like hey if you guys want to look through any my stuff go for it like obviously like I you know I, I, I didn't kill her. Pilgrim accuses Walker of having powers, which she does not. And he's like, uh, can you please stay to my business? You're kind of all up in my biz. Little girl goes home with Walker and he puts her to bed. And then little girl gives them the clue of chaotic chic. And so they start investigating that. A whole plethora of characters are, are interviewed. Come to find out that it is uh, like some online forum for people who are against powers. Uh, they learn from this nerd and then uh, they keep investigating this guy who uh, pretty much is uh, in prison for life and he's like, oh, whatever. Uh, Chin Pubes is still getting involved. Walker and Pilgrim are pissed, obviously, because Chin, Chin Pubes. Walker is also given a present and come to find out that, oh, Dun dun dun! Obviously, he used to be a superhero. Duh. Again, dun, this guy dun, is like dun. Yeah. this guy's like worse <laughs> than Clark Kent. Like he literally looks exactly the same, and even wears a half mask. The the more guys can't really find anything because they can't cut open her skin or find out really what the whole deal is. There's some more news coverage, and they're out there trying to be like, hey, we're trying to um, figure out what this chaotic chic thing is. Walker and Pilgrim uh, he's being confronted, and he's like, yeah, but I somehow lost my powers. And she's like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. And he's like, yeah, I can't trust you. Bye. So he's real pissed. They start shaking down the anti-super people and then come to uh, meet up with this dickhead guy who is obvious so after the typical good cop bad cop shakedown um he pretty much confesses that he was obsessed and 
uh, is a complete and utter douchebag, and he's the one who killed Retro Girl, and then Iron Man guy comes back and vaporizes him, uh, and then he just, like, pieces out. He's like, bye. End of story. Little girl is still with Walker, and then little the little girl that he has is all, like, kind of weird and cryptic with the final message. The end. Sorry, I was going to try to... Also, by the way, I want to premiere the newest drop. No, bad puppy. Bad puppy. <laughs> I cut that the other day. I'm very proud of it. I'm super excited to use it. That whenever Adam brings out his shame bell, that's going to be my response. So uh, I'm excited about that. Okay, so um, I read this book when I started out, and I was talking to Adam about this earlier. Especially in like the first two issues, you have this story going on, and then along the whole bottom, they mm-hmm. keep running all this news information. And the thing I found is that because I'd read the book before, I decided, I'm like, you know what, because I kept getting bogged down in that news shit, and I just decided I stopped reading it, and I just read the conversation, and the book flowed a lot better, and that news stuff actually just got in the way and kept chopping it up, because if you read it at the bottom of every page, you know, it would slow down the conversation. So I, I, I almost feel like there's... I, mm-hmm. I like this book, and I've always liked this book, but the book, I have the same experience with it that I had with Fables, where I always had to, like, I bought the book, I was excited to read it, and it really does go with some interesting, really cool places in the long run, but, it, and, and even, it's, I didn't realize it started so soon, like, because even reading this book, I was like, oh, it's even kind of like this in this book. There's a lot of dialogue, it gets kind of heavy and worded down, and kind of, bur- like, you just kind of almost have to, like, build yourself up to sit down and read it, and kind of plow through it, because otherwise it kind of, like, it almost feels like a little bit of homework. Like, I like it, I think it's good, but it's not necessarily, like, fun to read sometimes, which is sort of like, I think a little bit of a detriment for me. And I, I remember it being that way in later books, but I wanted to still find out what, how the story ended and where it went, because it always did some very interesting, very cool things. But reading it, I was like, oh, it kind of always did that from the beginning for me, where it was always kind of like, oh, like it's good, but I have to work my way through it. You know what I mean? So That's also kind of the problem with mm-hmm. Bendis saying I was mentioning it to Two-Edged Sword because he writes really good dialogue. Don't get me wrong. Like It's always uh, it's always entertaining and fresh and, for the most part, interesting to read. But Bendis will never hesitate to use three words when he could have used one. Oh, yeah, so, of course. That's my biggest gripe with this book is because you know I, I actually got through it pretty quickly and it was an entertaining story and I, it kind of filled noirish kind of uh, feel to it, you know, the whodunit, that kind of stuff, which I really enjoy. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, this would have gone a lot faster if someone would have just, if we're going to use the bad puppy thing, <laughs> go over to Bendis, slap him on the nose of the newspaper and say, no, no, use less no. words. No, bad puppy. <laughs> exactly. Bad puppy. So kind of along with that, and I kind of resent, like, he definitely wrote this as though it were a movie where people can speak faster than they can read. Mm-hmm. And one of my biggest problems with a lot of modern comic books is the we're literally using the same panel over and over again, just with more words or like, uh-huh. quote, trying to get the point across of silence. And I'm like, no, no. It's like, because to me, it just kind of looks like, oh, so you got to draw one panel. Cool. Like, I, I, I it's a big gripe of mine. Um, it, it's definitely a, a thing in more modern comic books than than um, kind of the, the older ones. Cause, and also, like, the mm-hmm. opening sequence, I understand that a lot of a lot is happening, but why even, like, literally, why even bother draw a whole panel if you're going to put that many words on a page? Because yeah. you literally can't see anything or who people are or why they're talking or even what they're being surrounded by. Like, you have to look at the next page to figure out where they even are because there's so many words on the page. Um, that... Uh, that again is like my biggest thing. I understand his sort of like concept of 
you know, it's a fast-paced kind of drama where, you know, cop, like cop shows where people just talk so fast and they're just blah, 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 blah. I, I get that, but it still made it very difficult to read as a written medium, as a visual me- medium. And it's it's almost sort of, it falls into that 90s trap of being hyperverbal, too. It's like a Kevin Smith or a Quentin Tarantino movie where, like, they talk so much, and sometimes about stuff that's not about what the story actually is. There's just or so Gilmore much. Girls. Yeah, it's it's that it's that '90s thing where they kind of sometimes they talk about it, they talk around it, but there's a lot of talking, and that's that's part of the thing of like I think for me when being a newer comic book reader, looking at all those bubbles is almost like holy shit, and trying to sometimes they're placed oddly on the page too. It's a little bit of a hard book to read sometimes, where you're sometimes kind of going, wait, what statement went first in this conversation? Um, that and, makes and, it a little bit tricky also, as well. And, and to kind of mix it up, um, the panels aren't always on one page; they're supposed to go across, but in mm-hmm. most comic books, when you have like a full spread like that, there's like a visual cue where there's like a central image where that crosses mm-hmm. both pages to kind of give you the cue that this goes all the way across. There were a yeah. couple of times I had to reread, I had to reread pages because I was just reading the left page and I was like, "This isn't making sense. This must go all the way across." Yeah, but but there you wasn't know. like that that visual cue to get me to to do that. Yeah, and I think that probably is one of the biggest weaknesses of this book is that it does make it a little more challenging on the reader to follow what's going on. It just in general, I think. I mean, because then the other thing is that that complaint of like the 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 constant running uh, news thing at the bottom of it, which sort of informs you of some backstory, but isn't necessarily required reading. It's <laughs> there, but if you read it in order, it chops up the conversation and the flow mm-hmm. and makes it like. Starting and stopping, starting and stopping. It's just hard to get that rhythm going of, of reading through the book. To me, it, it just reminded me, which obviously it's supposed to invoke that, but it just reminds me of the news tickers on um, CNN, and on a, right? Uh, on like CNN or whatever, mm-hmm. where I'm like, I'm trying to listen to what they're saying and read like their comments underneath them, but then there's like that scroll at the bottom that yeah. you're just trying to um, like. It's just too. It's too much information trying to come at you once. Now, does the like news feed at the bottom? Come Kind of inform you of some of the backstory and kind of give you that feel of well oh my gosh this is obviously huge because it's running 24 hours on the news network you know blah blah like yes it sort of enhances but it also detracts as brian said like it's just it's too much information it's like you need to you need to kind of pause do all of that on like two pages kind of like they did when they interviewed the superheroes and supervillains uh-huh instead of interrupting the story that you were doing because so you read the whole story and then you go down and then you have to go down to the bottom and read it sure yeah no I, I think that's I, I've kind of had that exact same thought actually well Todd you probably like me you had to reread this what were your thoughts about it second time around you know it's probably been oh four years since I've read this first one again there is a uh, oh I love this book going into it and I still enjoyed the book but as I've matured as a comic book reader and frankly gotten older it is I still enjoyed it it was not as good the second time around and is that because of all the different stuff I've read and it's not as great in that regard it could be but it is very uh, word bubbly I mean Bendis went ahead and did this and the uh, first few trays were on image and then it dumped to icon but with that imprint it's really creator owned and I bet he had a lot less editorial input thrust upon him so he was trying out a few Mm -hmm. things I think this was him trying to be a bit more experimental to see what does and does not work because like that ticker tape at the bottom I completely agree and in later trades it goes away it's kind of an idea that's tried out and then abandoned but here he's giving it a try the speaking bubble maze as it goes up and down and around it's kind of ridiculous and it's uh, Bendis did you call it the Bendis bubble run? I did on the previous one yeah like I like I like that phrase, the Bendis bubble run. I like the. It's a very 
It's a Bendis bubble run, and it's like you're playing like pipe yeah. dreams as you're watching it go up and down and around and twist, and you're thinking, like, who had to design this for it to make sense, and good luck if it doesn't type of video. But at the same time, I think the story is fun. It, it is um, Michael Oming's art, I think, is really fitting for it. It's a little bit noirish. It's not um, completely monochromatic, but it has elements of that all the time, and it kind of has a simplified palette is what it's going after. There is a lot of repeat pictures and it's starting to show its age and it's being dated just as much as you can look at a 90s X-Men comic book and say, oh, as we all love Lionel Richie, ha ha, this has some of its own moments at the same time. So I'm, I'm just going to disagree about the art. I thought that it was poor man's Bruce Tim. Like, okay. I, 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 think, I think it doesn't look as finished or polished as like a Bruce Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, animated look, so it's obviously going for that kind of you know animated, simpler kind of mm-hmm. stuff to kind of coincide with the more adult nature of the book. But to me, it, at the end, it just it just doesn't look it just doesn't look as nice. Um, I'm also not a, as big a fan of just the designs in general. I thought that his name was going to be Thunderbird because of the design on his chest, but it was Diamond, and I'm like, but he doesn't. Have a diamond. He's a diamond in the rough. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, it's not a diamond. Um, sure. If it were a diamond, it would it wouldn't have those weird wings and the head on it. I don't know. It was just not like the, like just the the design in general just wasn't my favorite. I mean, I guess it's kind of fine, especially because you know for the most part the characters are you know just in regular street clothes Mm -hmm. but like i I really wasn't a fan of the uh of like the superhero designs like i also really didn't like retro girls costume i thought and like he's like the at the very beginning they talk about how they had to pry these metal bands off her arms and then when i'm looking at her costume like from where what metal bands does she have on her arms there's nothing (laughs) in her costume that looks like there's metal bands so and and, anyway that's just sort of like my gripe about the art. I'm just gonna again, hashtag poor man's Bruce Tim. Well, and I recently read um, Bulletproof Monk, which has the same artist mm-hmm. for it, and he has a lot more detail in that. Like, I I mean, he definitely has a style that's definitely more based on animated type stuff. It, I mean, it, you can see the similarities in his work on both books. The ones in Bulletproof Monk almost look a little more like, I don't know if anybody else ever saw this, but Clerks the Animated Series, <laughs> um, with the slightly elongated rectangular faces and things like that. It has a little bit more of that vibe on it. I, the thing about this book, too, is is I feel like in this book, Detective Walker is much smaller than he ends up in, in future books. Like, he ends up, like, having, like, this huge barrel chest. Like, he ends up becoming, like, gigantic. You know what I mean? It's almost like in this book, he starts out as, like, an average-sized guy. And then, you know, as the books go on, he starts getting drawn more like he would be a WWF wrestler. You know what I mean? Just much, much bigger. Just doing a quick flip-through, he's also just inconsistent because like sometimes he definitely has that Bruce Tim Superman like huge like V-shaped chest and then uh-huh. sometimes he's just like regular dude walking so I'm just yeah. like again it, it just doesn't have that finish doesn't have that polish where it's like it, what do you want your character to look like what size sure are they supposed to be I can see that yeah. absolutely actually it's kind of funny because I was when the moment I got to her was that scene where they meet Zora up on the rooftop <laughs> the first thing that popped my mind was oh it's a poor man's dazzler um, <laughs> I mean a little bit but I mean I, I will say one thing I found funny was that her superpowers come from the fact that she's an atheist and that just absolutely made me laugh my ass <laughs> I didn't off. even catch that yeah, so if you're, no, if you're reading no like she's the, not an atheist. She just says that there is no God because God is within me. Right. 
So, yeah, so she believes she believes her own divinity, which is why she has her powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam, what's the having now read the book? What's the comparison between the TV show? Since I I don't think anybody mm-hmm. else here has had a chance to see that. You know, I I only saw like the first two episodes because I mean the TV show it was pretty faithful in some parts. I mean there's there were uh, panels from this book like when they're when they're in the um, police room and like uh, headquarters and they're bringing in that guy and he tries to escape and they beat him down and stuff. That uh, was very very faithfully recreated in the show, but. The show wasn't interesting enough to keep me want to keep going. Yeah, I heard I heard it got better in the second season, and it's all on. It might even be on Netflix now, but I know if you had PlayStation Plus, it was uh, free with your subscription. So I'm sure I could go in there and hop in and look at it. But honestly, with all the stuff that I have to watch and the things I want to watch, it's so far down the list that it's not even registering. Like I hadn't even thought about it until you mentioned we we're going to read this book. Well, and I put it in my queue list on my Amazon Prime, but I don't think it's free on Amazon Prime. I think you have to pay for it. I was looking at renting it just to watch a few episodes and just never got around to it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, just like going through the reviews and images and stuff. This looks like crap. The Mutant X TV show that happened in the early 2000s looks better. Um, <laughs> that was horrible. Yeah, and that was horrible. It was it was very Canadian. Um, yeah, but I mean, like, it just doesn't... It, it, first of all, it, again, it, it, it doesn't look good. And uh, and from what I'm seeing of like reviews, they like the biggest the the top one is uh, Powers comic book turned into lackluster TV show. Wow, that's <laughs> painful. Okay, yeah, that's like um, when I looked up the reviews for Bodyguard the Musical. And so so some something interesting in the TV show. Um, Pilgrim is played by by a black woman, which mm-hmm. I find to be much more interesting than yeah. you know regular white girl. Um, but again, I don't remember hearing any controversy about that, probably because either no one heard about the show or nobody cared. Oh, and Eddie Izzard played the wolf, the guy who was the, the creepy oh, really? guy in prison. I love Eddie Izzard. I might have to go I look mean, into I, that. I now. love Eddie Izzard <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, I, like the, the whole thing just kind of looks meh. Yeah. Well, and my concern, even when it came out, was that it was going on to a network system that didn't really have a built-in fan base yet. Like, you know, Netflix now has proven itself to give a track record of solid show. Some suck, but some are, <laughs> some are really, really good. I At that point in time, I didn't know anything. It's sort of like I'm kind of how I feel about the new Star Trek as well, where it's like it's going under the CBS-only app, and I'm like, you have to pay extra for this shit, and I'm like, but what else am I going to get out of it? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, I don't know if I've done that show enough to just pay for the app just to watch that one. You know, it'll probably be on DVD, or if their season sucks, they might throw it in on main television, which is kind of what I'm hoping for, but that's a bit of a bummer, but... I'm going to jump in with a cocktail. Mr. Booze. Mr. Booze. Mr. B-double-O-Z. That sure smells booze. I'm calling mine the power suppressor because we didn't really talk about it too much in the review, but uh, as you've read the book, or if you haven't read the book, I'm ruining it for you now. What, what do they call them? Dampeners in here? Dampeners, that's what it is. I'll change the name of it. This is going to be a power dampener. I'm changing it on my phone right now. But it is one and a half ounces of Plymouth Gin, half ounce, no, sorry, quarter ounce of triple sec, one and a half ounces of orange juice, uh, three quarter ounces of lime juice, and one tea, uh, teaspoon of grenadine. Uh, you're going to shake it with broken ice and pour it into a glass. You don't strain it. You let it, oh, the ice I'm be in sorry. there. sorry. Drainer. Drainer. A drainer. Just yeah. call that out there you go. and just restart. Whatever. Yay. Boom, there it is. Powered. Well, that is the power drainer. I might have re-edited and changed that all around to make it work, or I might just have left it in. I've left an idiot. Whatever. It'll, it just depends. Uh, cool. Who else has a cocktail ready to go? I do. 
Okay. Um, so mine is <clears throat> the retro girl. Um, I looked at some retro cocktails, and it is two ounces of either bourbon, whiskey, or gin. Which to me, I'm like, what? You can't choose either one of those. Well, a- apparently, you choose any of those three. Well, that would wow. That would really change the drink. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. But, but 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 with the mixers, it's just half of a lime, and then and then you drop it in the glass, and then you just top it with um, seltzer water. So it's really just, it's it's what it's a vodka soda that I drink, except it's either a bourbon, whiskey, or gin soda. It's yeah. literally my cocktail, but with any of the other three things. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, it's just very retro. It's very simple. It's very easy, and that's kind of what retro girl kind of seems like. Yay for easy. Well, not. Uh, I'm not going to say easy, because she wasn't easy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know. I'm calling mine the Deanna Pilgrim. It's a nice yellowy-looking drink. So, um, What this is, it's three-quarters ounce of amaretto. It's a disarono you can use. One and a quarter ounce is vodka, two ounces of sweet and sour mix, and a half ounce of lime juice. So what you want to do is put that all in a shaker, fill it with ice, shake the shit out of it, strain that into a glass, and then top it off with some lemon-lime soda, like Sprite or 7-Up, garnish with a lemon and a highball glass, and enjoy it. But that's a Deanna Pilgrim. Awesome. And Adam, do you have a cocktail? Um, Yeah, so mine uh, was going to be called the Retro Girl, but I guess Q got to it first. (laughs) Um, It's called the Diamond, and what it is, it's uh, two ounces of gin. Like a good gin, like Blue Sapphire or something. Or if you're in Utah, Madame Petrini. That's an amazing gin up here. Uh, one ounce of lemon and then one ounce of a honey simple syrup. Take the shit out of that over ice, and then you can either strain over rocks or into a martini glass, and then you would garnish with a lime wit or lime peel. Oh, Adam, did I tell you the weird thing about Madame Petrini gin? I don't know if I told um, you this or not. I don't know if you have, I, I, I know mm-hmm. a lot about it too, but what did, what did you find out? I thought, so I was, this is so random weird side note, so I was looking up to see if I could order it online and have it shipped out to me. And if you order it online, it links to High Times Wine Cellars, which is in Costa Mesa, California. It's the really fancy liquor store that I took Todd to a couple times. Uh, so Todd will remember that place. It's a place with like the crazy selection of all sorts of booze. But if you want to order that online, that's the, that's the website they link you to is to that location. Nice. So I could just go down the street and get some here. So I'm kind of excited about that. But cool, yeah, no, anyway. it's, a, it's a good gin. And it's a, I like it because I don't drink gin that often because I'm a vodka guy. But um, if I'm going to go for that, I'll definitely you know invest in a, a local uh, distillery. So Ula in Seattle also makes a really good gin. In case anybody's ever I can't find gin or, I like. They're all gross. Uh, Ford's gins is also really good as well. I actually I really like gin. Uh, gin's actually one of my go-tos. Um, so well, didn't, I, didn't I make you when we did uh, Bitch Planet? Remember, I made the cherry bitch. That was with a. Uh, did I make you one of those? I think so. Yeah, because that had a. That was a infused gin that I made. I like gin I, in general. I won't say no but, to uh, it. Well, cool. But I'll probably never order it. I'll <laughs> <laughs> say no to tequila. I will most definitely say no to tequila. Does anybody else have anything they want to add before we go into final grades? Apparently not. <laughs> Jamie, school is never a waste of time. Since we have 15 minutes until recess, please put down your pencils and stare at the front of the room. It's report card time. It's report card time. It's report card time. I'm so fucking fun. God, please, no! 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 It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I guess going into final grades, I'm going to give it a C plus. I wasn't really that into it. Um, it definitely had like 
TV pilot kind of feel where it's like, okay, well, we're just going to go and see where, where this enter, you know, we're just going to kind of let this thing go and, um, mm-hmm. you know, fix it later, you know, as, as most TV pilots do. Um, the di- It's very dialogue heavy. It's as though Bendis was like, well, I have to have all of these very emotional scenes where no one talks, so I need to fill in every other page with as many words as possible. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it works or not, but but it's definitely like, oh, these this moment has to be really poignant, so it has to be completely silent. Look how poignant. <laughs> and then say, you bitch. Yeah, well, I, but but also, like, then, like, start the book out with, like, 18, like, million <laughs> words. So many words. And it, it, it was fine. I mean... Do you kind of you kind of get a feel of the characters, but again, as as comic books are, they're a serial medium, so you shouldn't expect like fully blown characters in the first arc because more is gonna come. Yeah, 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 you know, more is gonna come. It's kind of like you know, our my my critique of Bitch Planet. Like, obviously, (laughs) the author has a plan. They don't want to you know blow their load all in the beginning. Um, You know, this isn't a one and done thing. Like, you know, they want to you know. Keep it, keep it going. So I don't know, but to, but to me, it also just kind of like, meh, okay, yeah, okay. I'll be honest, I'm I'm kind of there, close to where you are at Q. I'm gonna give it a B. I've liked the overall run of the series, but going back and rereading it, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's okay. There's been some more stuff that I've read recently that I thought, oh my god, like I think if I hadn't read like Saga and or Wicked and the Divine, or I mean, there's a lot of books we've read that I just think. Those mm-hmm. are the books that I'm now like, oh my god, you have to read this. This was one of my books that I'm like, oh, you got to go read this. And now I think I'm like, I just don't think it's aged as well as I would have liked. I, I also feel like it, it comes across very much as a playground for Bendis to kind of hone his craft a little bit, which is great. Um, you know, I mean, I think some of his other stuff that he's written more modern is amazing, uh, and I am a big fan of his work. But this one. I feel like is a little uneven, um, and like in the long run of the book, what is kind of interesting is, is each of the trades seems to kind of develop its own theme and kind of has these kind of quirks that they bring out throughout the entire course of the issue. There's one issue that's all about like all the different covers are references to different rock and roll albums. There's one where each episode ends with like stand-up comedy routines, which aren't very funny, but it's sort of like the spoken word stand-up comedy thing. Like they just kind of do these, develop these ideas and play with these sort of motifs, which is fun. Um, but I'm not necessarily convinced that it's always necessarily worth reading, uh, so I'm kind of at a B. Adam, what's your grade? So uh, <clears throat> I'm at a B as well. Like, like I said, there's a lot to this book that I really did enjoy. Uh, yes, it does feel a bit dated, and there's a lot of problems with the dialogue with Bendis being too wordy, and you know, like Q was saying, there's a you know two-page splash, and you're trying to figure out where to go. It's like you know trying to figure out which. Like, there was actually a couple pages where I didn't think the dialogue made sense because I didn't realize I was supposed to actually read across and not mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of annoying, and that's that's just that's just poor planning on the people who laid out the comic. But I, again, I did enjoy the Noir story. I like whodunits. Um, the idea is really interesting. Like, how do you how do you wrangle superheroes and supervillains in a world where you know mm-hmm. you don't have any powers? And yes, they've got what was what are they called the Drainers. Yeah, that can help out. But you know, they were they were all actually in places like you know the guy who killed Retro Girl was kind of the first one to make a portable one. So mm-hmm. I can see that maybe, you know, if I read more of them, which, to be honest, I probably won't because I don't care. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, maybe use nothing later issues for story devices. But, I don't know, it's interesting. Uh, but it's not something I'm saying, hey, go out and read it right away. There's so many other books out there that are much better um, books we've read even in the last couple weeks. So, I don't know. It's just kind of there. I'm glad I read it because it's been on the list to check out for a long time. I wasn't, like, really excited about it. Like, I was excited going in and kind of ended with a meh. 
Okay, and uh, Todd, what's your vote? Or what's your grade, sorry? You know, I'm also going with that B, B minus. Um, it used to be higher, but as you were saying earlier, there's been some incredible stuff that has come out and we have read, and it kind of shifts everything down as you read it. So in the later trades, I like it more. It's a little bit like Fables in that regard as well. I mean, there's one where he is so wordy, he has an entire issue where he doesn't. there's not a single thought bubble in the whole issue, and I think it was just to prove the point that he could. But then he proceeds to ignore that, and he goes back to being wordy again. Well, the interesting thing about the one with, with no dialogue, which, and this is a total spoiler, but I had time. I'm not necessarily that spoilery. Is if I remember correctly, that particular issue really explains Detective Walker's backstory mm-hmm. and his history. And so it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like it's the thing he doesn't talk about, so they show it all without him talking. Like I think there, I don't think there's any bubble dialogue or maybe one word in the entire thing. Yeah, there might be something like that. Right, it's one word, if that, for the entirety of that whole issue. And then later on, um, Bendis has even written a full-on novel with Deanna Pilgrim, so he just ditches the uh, visual medium entirely as that goes through, and it's kind of treated as the bridge before the Powers Bureau comic in that regard. I did enjoy There's other Bendis stuff I found I like a bit better, but there's just other stuff out there that is better at this point, and yeah, it's starting to show signs of its age. I'll agree to that. Well, then I guess, I mean, that gives us everybody's grades. Um, who wants to start with uh, recommendations? I've got two while we're talking about it. Okay. So a Bendis book I liked more, and that kind of references some of the things we talked about, is he kind of wrote an autobiographical story called Fortune and Glory, and he yeah. drew it himself. He's not a great artist, but it worked for the book, and it was the whole point of him trying to get a script he wrote in Hollywood made and failing miserably. It's a funny way as he goes about it, but it's a great Bendis book in that regard. So I would recommend reading that and it's a one-off if you can find it, but it's um, enjoyable in that regard. So, but And the other thing you guys should watch, which has been released, is the sequel to Super Troopers now has oh, a trailer? teaser trailer. And mm-hmm. it's basically a bunch of guys going, do we want to shave his balls? No, I don't. No, I don't. Hell yeah, I do. So I'm excited for the sequel to Super Troopers. So yeah, that's my recommendations. I had a DJ at a gig once that I challenged him to do an entire set, referring to, like, putting in meow as much as he possibly could <laughs> as he made an being like, okay, right, meow, we're going to hear whatever. Like, he just did. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We did that show for a long time, and we would we would find very strange ways of entertaining ourselves. Uh, Adam, do you have any recommendations? Um, at the moment, no, but coming back to the end of my thing is something. So. You, do you have any recommendations? Um, I can't remember if I talked about this before. Have I talked about London Spy? No, no I don't think so. Excellent, because I, I, <laughs> so it's a... It's a British miniseries that I watched on the Netflix um, as I was trying to find something to watch as I was waiting for Ben to come over so we could finish watching Glow, which, by the way, Glow also Super fun. really good. Amazing. It's really fun. So, so much fun. But London Spy, so it's a five-episode, uh, hour-long drama. So there's this guy, and he meets this other guy, and they fall in love. And then when he goes over to his house one day, um, finds him dead inside of a case. Through all of this, you find out that his boyfriend was a spy, and now he is thrown into the world of London espionage, and it's pretty freaking rad. Oh, I saw Um, the trailer for that. I wanted to see it. So it is not a feel-good show by any means. (laughs) 
Um, it like kind of set itself up for a sequel, but I don't think one's gonna happen. It's pretty dark. One of the things that I liked about it is that even though the fact that they're gay is is used and used against them, it's used against them in in the media. But it's still like not like it's not like ooh they're gay. Oh, we've got to make this big deal about them being gay. It's like no, they they just use the fact that they're gay to kind of like use the media to be against them. It's a very kind of cool modern thing. Um, mm -hmm. It must be because they're London. Jim Broadbent plays a supporting character mm. who is both so badass and hashtag heartwarming. Put five hours of your life aside. <laughs> get ready for like some emotional roller coasters and some dark places. But it's a good one. Speaking of Netflix, I'm going to do an anti-recommendation. I'm going to do something that you may be curious about and you should not. We read the book, uh, one of the books here, of Death, Death Note. They made an anime, which is on uh, Netflix, and that is completely and utterly worth watching. However, they just made a live-action film on Netflix, and it is awful. I made it through about five minutes before I turned it off. Jess made it through about five minutes beforehand and was, like, so annoyed. She was like, she made me watch those five minutes to annoy. It takes everything from the story and throws it out the window. If you remember from the story, the main character was a really good student whose dad was a, pol a police officer and who was very concerned about his family. Now he's a white kid with highlights who gets into trouble and goes to detention for, you know, causing trouble. And then he ends up getting taunted into killing this bully who's in a school. It gets really, like, Final Destination-y. Like, the first five minutes were fucking awful, and I couldn't make it to the rest of the thing. But every review I've seen online has been ripping it apart, so I assume that those are all correct. You may be curious about it. Avoid it. Um, the only thing that's kind of worthwhile is the costume looks kind of cool until they show the eyes. And the voice of William Defoe for the monster is kind of perfect, but outside of that, it's pretty awful. So, anyway, Adam, did you come up with anything, or are you good? Uh, actually, I, do, I have an anti-recommendation as well, then. <laughs> um, don't watch The Defenders oh, on yeah? Netflix. No, it was not good. There's It does some cool things with the cinematography, and when the characters are all alone, uh -huh. they do a lot of cool things with lighting, where whenever Jessica Jones is by herself, she's always in like a blue backlight. Matt Murdock's always in red. Luke Cage is in uh, yellow, and Danny Rand's in green. But the problem with this thing is that they still, for whatever godforsaken reason, decide to make the main plot revolve around Danny Rand. That actor sucks so horribly, uh -huh. and his character is just very uninteresting. I mean, it's, he can't act, he can't really fight that well. Yeah, it, just, it was frustrating because I really wanted to like it, and actually, when you get to episode 4, 5, and 6, it actually does become pretty fun, but then the last two episodes just fall off and you find out what the bad guys are really after. It's all very anticlimactic, very very predictable, like you know how it's going to turn out, how it's going to end. Yeah, it just it, it was a big, big letdown. I mean, I didn't hate it, but even only being eight episodes long, it felt longer than that, and you'd be better off just going back and watching... Daredevils one and two, and then Jessica Jones again because it's just it's not worth watching. All right. Okay, that's a bummer. It's a bummer, but I'm not totally shocked by that. It, no, if knowing that Danny Rand, because I I've started watching because I wanted to watch the Defenders, but someone had recommended that I probably at least needed to see some of Iron Fist before going into it, and that actor is pretty awful. Um, <laughs> I, just, I just went on Wikipedia. I just went the, read the synopsis on Wikipedia, and that's all you needed to know. So. Oh really? Okay. Well, but yeah, that actor is just. I mean, he was decent in Game of Thrones when he was kissing other dudes, but mm -hmm. like he just. This is not the right type of role for him. Like they, they should just scratch him and start over with someone else because he well, really brings the whole thing down. I feel like that's a missed opportunity to maybe put an Asian-American actor into that role. You know what I mean? It'd be really easy to, to fit them into that. And then you could have the Defenders being the true diversity team, which would be kind of awesome. But whatever. Cool. 
Well, next week we enter into October, uh, which is going to be Halloween. So we are going. We have five weeks of Halloween it's this year. It's Christmas. Getting Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are going to be reading uh, five books. Uh, we're starting out with next week. We're going to be doing Alien Defiance, followed by FVZA, followed by Severed, followed by Neonomicon, and then followed by Sabrina, which is uh, a modern telling of Sabrina the Teenage Witch from the Archie comics. But uh, Todd, I believe you're recommendation was Alien Defiance. Yes. Um, do you want to uh, give us a little bit of heads up as to what we're going to be reading next week? No problem. Um, it, this is written by Brian Wood, so that's Q's favorite guy of all time who brings us such things. Also wrote DMZ. DMZ and Northlanders. Well, we know he likes Scott Dennis more, so. You're right, so, but so it is here um this story takes place between the movie alien and aliens and um that's a primer and it's got xenomorphs and a lot of death okay do you do you have to have seen the alien movies to appreciate this book i would be surprised if you picked it up if you haven't how about that i gotcha i just i haven't seen the second one in a long time so i'm curious if well, it takes place before. before why you watch it every christmas like you're supposed to <laughs> <laughs> so this takes place before aliens so seeing the movie alien so if you've just seen the alien with just the lone one in the ship you're good to go well cool. so that's gonna be next week alien defiance i think that'll do it for this week thanks so much for listening and uh, we will see you guys later Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. This band of knuckleheads will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr as Funny Books and Firewater, and on Twitter as at FirewaterCast. Go to FunnyBooksAndFirewater.com for the most up-to-date information, as well as cocktail recipes from this and past episodes. Thank you for joining us. And until next week, support your local comic shop. Tip your bartender well. And stay hydrated.